What's going on, Sky Town? Welcome to another edition of the Skyhook Podcast. My name is James K. With me on the mic, as always, is your co-host, Christopher J. Pennant. Chris, I didn't watch one second of the All-Star Game this past weekend. It's my <laughs> least favorite thing in sports that we have to go through this exhibition that the players don't care about. Obviously, the three-point contest was fun and everything, but how about you? Did you enjoy your your break from the first half of the WNBA season? I, I'll say it's been a it's been a long year, not necessarily a long season outside <laughs> of the of just coverage of the game. Uh, I did catch some clips. I know we're going to talk about Sabrina in the three point contest and the skills competition, which came down to the teams I said it would. And that's me. You know, I was right about that, even <laughs> if I didn't predict the winner. Uh, but I, I saw some because I feel like even even. Even though you're right, the all-star games don't necessarily mean much other than a uh, a popularity contest to some degree. I feel like I have to watch some of it because it does, you can break it down to some degree and say, these are the players who were the best in this year or this era. And so it's good for tracking in the past. But I watched a little, not a lot, just a little little. Hey, bless your soul, man. That must have been fun watching those players jog up and down the court. I mean, I you're a hater, man. I am. I'm coming out with <laughs> hater energy today for some reason. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna back off from it, but I just can't do the all-star game. It's just never been all that interesting to me just because the format within itself was something that the NBA used to like bolster its image across the world, you know. And now that its purpose has kind of been served, the all-star game itself. I just, I'm sorry, I'm just not entertained by the format when for the first three quarters, nobody tries, you know, like I hate watching bad basketball. I'm not going to lie. And that's saying that the all-star game is just straight up bad basketball, but I'm out on the whole format and I love the three point contest. Can't do the skills challenge. Cause that just, again, just bores the living shit out of me, but the three point contest <laughs> was fun. I Sabrina Inescu shout out to her for, putting on a record setting performance, getting 37 out of the first four or 37 out of the 40 total points that a player can get in that competition. But, you know, Chris, it's been a little bit since we recorded as well. And we just wanted to do some, I don't know, just some, uh, just, we got to talk a little bit about some of the things that have happened over the last few weeks. We had actually recorded an episode last week going over some of the things that we were about to talk about now before <laughs> Dwayne Wade and you know talked with ESPN about him becoming an investor with the Chicago Sky. We're going to get to that in a little bit. And yes, if sir. you and if you all want to fast forward to that, just check out the episode description. I'll put a timestamp of when we talk about some of the things that are a little bit more fresh, but we do want to do a little bit of I guess housekeeping, let's just say for um, just talking about some of the things that we just discussed in our last pod when James Wade abruptly left the Chicago sky, a little bit more reporting has come out since where James has accepted a job with the Toronto Raptors as to be an assistant coach for their team this upcoming season. That's later this fall. Um, he had, he was actually in Vegas this past weekend with the Toronto Raptors when they go through summer league and, Let's just go through a little bit of what's happened since James announced that he would be stepping down from being the Sky's head coach and general manager. 
So he talked to the Chicago Sun-Times and he said that the reason he left the Chicago Sky the time that he did, it was a chance for him to further himself as a coach and had no way to do with him being worried about his job security or the money that he would get at the NBA level. And it's interesting because it seemed like the players were not too shocked of this news. Alanis Smith said that they had an idea that this was coming because there was just kind of a vibe around the situation. And Kalia Copper told the Sun-Times that she knew before the announcement was going to be made. Nadia Rawlinson also told the Sun-Times and the, and the Chicago Tribune that Wade's pursuit of other opportunities just weren't ongoing and that this rapper's position kind of came out of the blue. And obviously there were some things that came out of some other reporting around Kalia Copper, but let's save that for a different time. Chris, I mean, what has, as you know, as we've entered this new era with Emre Vatan Sever being the head coach of this team and the interim general manager and head coach here, has your mind changed about this situation at all since the news came out about Wade? And what are your just feelings about it as we move forward with this season? I think when we, when I talked about it that weekend, I was still absorbing it. And so it was hard to, from it's it's hard going through the interactions I had with James Wade uh, while they were not as deep as a lot of other reporters on the scene. Me not ever having had a chance to make it out to Deerfield for practice. Uh, I generally liked the guy. I thought he was passionate. I felt he was passionate about the team. I believe him when he said he was passionate about the city. You, I think you know he was because he made the he made that. Um, foible that every coach does of saying that Chicago is like a small market town just to kind of emphasize the, the mentality of the fans but they they rocked with him for it and I think he had something on that with the Chicago Sky they're not a founding member of the league and they were also ran for a lot of their history that's just coming up soon on 30 years deep so when he won when he won that championship and he said he wanted to be here for like the rest of his life I believe that so it's I was still getting through the shock, I think. And when you come when you come outside and have a bit more uh, distance from it and time to reflect on it, he did put the franchise and the team right now in a very unenviable position. Um, you put your assistant in the top chair for the first time, and that's a lot of growing pains for a guy like Emery, who you said um, both on our past recording, uh, past recordings, and in person is a different type of personality than James Wade. And while it's not New York or Los Angeles media scrums at the games, he's got to handle questions from the media over at a team that's in had some upheaval. Uh, this was prior to the Dwayne Wade uh, news. And so he's trying to put a system in place in the middle of the year, literally had to hit the ground with his feet running. And I think those first two wins against the Sparks were not necessarily fool's gold, even the win against uh, Indiana, not fool's gold, but I think there might've been some thought from external fans, from, from media that maybe things are going to go smoothly here, even given the games that they had coming up and for them to lose the way they did. He, he looked harried. I'll say that much. So <laughs> it's tough for James Wade to put his guy in that spot. Um, it's suffering him to put this team in that spot, given the people that he brought in and the plan that he espoused to have on uh, before opening day. I don't believe that draft picks are as important as some people might as are putting the emphasis on. I know we've talked about that. We don't necessarily line up on the idea. 
just given the way that James Wade built contending teams, he didn't go deep in the draft to do it. The draft picks that the sky had that they had were from Amber Stocks' days or before that. So I think that with Emory's connections overseas, he can build a team if they decide to retain him uh, next year or beyond. But he did, James Wade, his legacy is complicated, is the easiest way to put it. He brought the franchise championship, respectability, um, but he also dropped them in the middle of the season with a plan that remains unfulfilled. I think a lot of that is 100% fair. And one thing that I wish I had done a better job of communicating after going through the editing process from our last pod was not to make this out as James Wade left for this one thing specifically and that 100% of his direction in terms of making this decision was centered around job security potentially. So I just wanted to say that at the top of this, but because I don't think we make these decisions with only one thing in mind when we make them, I think as humans, that is just a crazy thing to like put out there and just be like, okay, I'm only, I'm worried about X. So I'm, I have to make this decision now. I don't know. I, I wish I had done a little bit better of a job communicating like, of articulating that. But when I look at this situation, man, like, I think it's probably a combination of a lot of things. I think it's just, it's too bad because I get why the fans are upset right now. I really do. When you hear James talk about how this was a chance for him to grow as a coach, when he's going from being the head coach to an assistant coach in a different league. And I don't think James views the NBA as a vastly superior league, but I think your actions kind of look like that a little bit when you just get up and leave in the middle of the season when your team is struggling and they were, you know, they, I mean, they are, they, they are struggling right now and they're still struggling that they're in the midst of a three game losing streak. So you look at this team and as a fan, I would get why you like, if like why a fan would be upset about James leaving at this time, at the same time, like I just said, I don't think we make these decisions based on one thing, based on one reason. And I I, I don't think my intuition is about James worrying about his job security is 100% off. That's not me reporting anything. I'm actually not a reporter for the next anymore, um, unfortunately, due to some financial stuff. But I don't think there's a one reason why James left. And from that standpoint, I don't think that James is a hundred percent wrong for even also accepting like for accepting this job. And the idea that this guy's future is now all of a sudden crumbling because James Wade left. And because of this Marina Mabry trade, I think is completely wrong, man. I'm sorry. Mm. It is a risky move, but heading into today, this guy would have the 10th pick in the 2024 WNBA draft because of the two year accumulative record that, you know, the, the determines the draft lottery order right now and they're about to face eight teams or about they're about to face four teams and play them in eight games or the next 20 games that are in the bottom eight in net rating so those chances of them building up again the the dallas might get the 11th pick in next year's draft and if i had to choose between and we and we talk about the marina mabry trade by the way we have to put it in the context of how do we keep kalia copper if you're the sky, you have to be thinking about how are you going to keep Kalia Copper? Would I rather have two projects from the first round of the last two drafts and probably put yourself in a 
tougher spot to be able to retain Kalia Copper if you're rebuilding? Or would you rather have someone that's averaging 17 points per game, like close to 17 points per game, shooting over 30, like I think around 40% from three at this point, and who is a win-now player, and furthering your chances of keeping Kalia Copper? I mean, like, I don't think that's necessarily a tougher decision to make. 2025, we both know how we feel about that whole situation, about the the risk that comes with that, especially if Kyle leaves in the offseason. I still don't think that the sky's future is completely disrupted by this trade necessarily. And they can always trade back into the draft. People forget you don't have to organically, uh, you have to like organically build through the draft. You can trade back into the draft. So I do think that it's a little apocryphal, quite honestly, to say that the sky's draft capital is completely fucked for the foreseeable future when we like, there's ways for the sky to get back into the draft and the context of keeping caught is as clear as day to me when it comes to making that trade. First of all, you got to lay back on the big words and lay back on the big <laughs> words. Now that you're not writing and you're using them on the podcast. Cause <laughs> like, like Kevin Hart says, like, check this out. You're using words that I don't understand. So I'm going to take them as disrespect. Watch your mouth <laughs> and go on with the podcast. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> it's very true. You can trade back into the draft. Um, and it's one year, less than a year, is nowhere near enough time to properly evaluate a trade, especially considering that they've signed Marina Mabry actually for. So you have to wait until the year is out. Now, granted, the Sky continue on their current trajectory coming out of the break, then you have some more evidence to evaluate the trade. And we've seen Marina's play on the floor. I think she's pressing. I honestly think she's pressing. Mm-hmm. I honestly do, because there's no... There's the there's the pressure to make the, the to make it look good. Not only are you in a new place with more freedom to operate, I think she's trying to make it for herself and if not the fans, just for herself and the people close to her, like, yo, you will prove them right. A team picked you up and they moved a lot to do so, a lot of capital, whether it was draft players or money, and you've got to make it count uh, because everything, I, I saw Thaddeus Young say this, Everything you're doing is about the next contract. He was talking to some like high schools and college and college kids. He's like, I'm he was like, I'm on my eighth contract. I'm still here. So everything that I do off season and on is about getting the next contract. And I think that's a lot of what's gone in Summer Marina's play. Um hmm. I think, he, I think he just signed a three year deal though. Why would that come? I think it's just you, you know, even three years, you're still just trying to you're still trying to put it out there like, yo, I am a top echelon player that was worth this time and effort and money. Because why else would you be dribbling in all these double teams, man? That's, that's okay. It's, so, it's such so, consternation for me. That to me says more about the sky's offense and what's happening with like without Marina having the ball or with um or when the ball's in Marina's hands or Courtney's hands, what's not happening? And we've talked about this at length, too, on the podcast. We don't have to go over how bad the Sky's off-ball movement has been, how they're still trying to pick things up in terms of learning some of the new things that Emray has wanted to implement into the Sky's system. But I don't nec- I don't know, man. I don't think like Marina Mabry's play in terms, especially from her like statistical output, I don't mind where she is on that front. I mean, I think there are little things like, hey, sometimes you you actually do foul the opponents when they drive to the basket and you're in front of them. Or if you don't get the foul, 
try to play through it a little bit more. I think those are the things that I think of, especially when I think of second half adjustments that I would like to see from Marina Mabry. But I struggle to say that I wouldn't like, I think the one thing that would hold up the trade for me would be the 2025 draft swap. Uh, to me, that is the thing that that would have been like, no way we're not, we're not adding that to this deal. And I get why fans would be upset about that. And I didn't even mention the second round picks involved. I think those are actually increasingly becoming more useful, but look at the Dallas wings, man. They couldn't afford to keep all of these players under their umbrella. They've had to let them go in order to make sure there's enough room for all these other players to develop and get playing time. And there is such thing as having too much picks. I get, I'm not saying that this was a perfect trade or anything, but I do get why they made it. And I don't think that they've necessarily been proven wrong at this point, especially again, they would have the 10th pick in next year's draft if they were to have kept it and they would have given and not traded for Marina Mabry. Like I do think there's something to not waiting around for players to potentially develop, especially last year's draft was considered to be a weaker one heading into it. I don't know. I, I look at that trade and I actually don't think it's as crazy as a lot of people are making it out to be. And I don't think the sky's future is attached to that trade necessarily. To me, it's what happens with ownership, what happens with how Marina develops more. Obviously you, you make that trade for, I think she's 26 years old, 26, 27 years old, hoping that she blossoms more into someone that they to like into the all-star that they think that she can be. And honestly, I think that, that's within her it's just they're the sky just have a lot of problems right now and it can't be all fixed with um i do think that there are times which marina is pressing but i also think that's a function of the sky's offense more than it is about an individual player and i feel the same way about courtney williams when it was suggested a couple weeks ago that she be removed from the starting lineup when in actuality it's been now that things have picked up a little bit on the offensive end for them courtney's looks like someone that could be with this team and uh you know is one of the players that they could actually maybe build around not around but build with maybe in the next year or two potentially but i don't mean to ramble but that that's kind of where my head's at especially when i think about in the context of james getting criticized for this trade and leaving like to me it's about you left the team in the middle of the season after selling the culture and using that culture to bring people in that are now going to be with the team when you're not there after a lot of them said we came here because of the culture and what James had built. I can go with that. I can agree with that, man. Yeah. I I can see that. Um, So I'll, I'll, I'll walk mine back. I'll walk mine back. No, I just, I I really, no, 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 I'm not saying that I can agree with an argument when it's presented. If I think, Hey, I was wrong. I was wrong here. So I, I want I just want it to be more fluid. I just want it to be yeah. a more fluid offense. Is really it. So I was thinking like, if, what is the reason around this? Because I think that we didn't see this Marina necessarily. Granted, we're watching we're mainly watching one team, but when I feel like I saw the Dallas Wings kind of burgeoning success, I didn't see this specific game with Marina. So I was, it's like there has to be another reason for it, you know. Yeah, no, for sure. And I do think Marina was a better playmaker when Arike was out at the, I think it was at 
the tail end of July and August of last year. And I think one of the selling points of bringing Marina Mabry and trading all that draft capital was, hey, we're going to have Marina be the lead ball handler in in James's system. And that kind of organically turned into, no, Courtney Williams is going to be the person to do that. And they're just going to have Marina kind of navigate things off the ball and make quicker decisions without her being the one dribbling the ball up the floor every single time. And I, again, I, I, from that standpoint, I get why fans would just be a little miffed by the whole situation, but I would just have a little bit more positivity sky town, because again, there's just so many different ways to build a team. And there is a lot of excitement around the organization right now, because the last time we recorded again, just a few days ago, Chris, it was almost a melancholy vibe around the whole around the whole team they were coming off of another loss where the team just kind of fell apart and clearly just needed that mental reset that's something that we've been talking about it's like let's just have this team get to the break so they can reset mentally they only had one all-star and we talked a little bit about like Kalia Copper's comments to the Sun-Times about if there were any hard feelings with James Wade and we just talked about how hey Cod departing in free agency doesn't seem all too crazy given what has happened over the last month, especially. I mean, you can extend it all the way back to January when a lot of the foundations of the sky left. A lot of the foundation of the sky left, I should say. And Cod's kind of the last one standing. However, we got some news coming from ESPN. Alexa Philippou reported that Dwayne Wade is now a investor with the Chicago Sky. He's someone who, obviously, if you don't know Dwayne Wade. Oh, am I breaking news to you, Chris? <laughs> He's pro, from, hold on, best commercial of all time. From Robbins, Illinois, six foot four guard. <laughs> Dwayne. Wade! Y'all know what it is. Y'all know that. If y'all don't know it, look it up. Anyway, continue. I love that. <laughs> he's obviously i mean Dwayne wade he's someone that um he's a three-time nba champion he's someone that does a little bit of comment commentating on what was it for inside the nba i believe it is and Mm -hmm. he is also doesn't he own a little bit of a stake in the utah jazz i think it is yes yes so he has some experience um outside of like you know becoming this new investor with the sky He's got experience as a business person and he is going to be a part of this organization now, which Kalia Copper expressed excitement in. She And I think it was Annie who asked, hey, does this change anything for you when it comes to free agency or does it impact your free agency decision? And Kyle, just to put it concisely, pretty much said, yes, like this is a big time move. So Chris, how big a deal is this for the Chicago Sky to bring in someone like Dwayne Wade, who is not just loved across the NBA space, but also in Chicago, someone that grew up around this area, I believe it's not Oak Brook. What was it? Oak Lawn. He's, is he from Oak Lawn? I think that's where he's he went, from. He went to, um, he, he was born in Chicago, moved out South to Robbins and went to uh, Richards, Richards for high school, then went to Marquette. Yeah. Um, and then had that very odd year on the, sh- on the board. Uh. We don't talk about that. <laughs> we don't talk know, about that. Right? Or the, or when he was with the Cavs, we don't talk about that. That didn't, Yeah, we don't talk about that either. Like a 18-month <laughs> hiatus. That's what we're going to say. He was <laughs> um, you're, you're absolutely right. 
uh, Dwayne Wade is beloved around here. Even and I think part of the reason is that for me, that that Converse commercial that I just uh, reenacted, he says he's from Robbins, and it's easy to, to kind of do the St. Louis thing and lump people into Chicago when they're not necessarily from Chicago, but you have people who are from, I, I grew up on the South side. And so we went to the South suburbs for Saturday stuff. We went out there for birthdays and in the movies and to run errands. So I spent a lot of my formative years in South Holland and Dalton and Calumet city and Lansing. And so I knew these places, Robbins and Chicago Heights and Fort Heights and Riverdale and all that. And I was like, oh, he's from Robbins. Yeah, I know Robbins. And Robbins is very historic, first of all. There are, I think, three cities in the in the state that were founded and historically populated by Black people. And Robbins is one of them. The others are around St. Louis on the Illinois side. And so Robbins is historic just for that alone. And then you have Wade, who came out of this, this town with a very fraught upbringing who still succeeded and not just succeeded, you know, people succeed as athletes and then maybe they just succeed as athletes. He was one of the first players I remember watching in college. I was like, this dude is different. Like mm -hmm. I love that Marquette team with him and Travis Diener. And I really like, I, that was the birth of my life. I was like, I'm going to watch Marquette basketball because of this team. That was a great team. And so when he got to the NBA, I was just like, he's Miami. That's fine. I don't have beef with Miami. Um, Dwayne, this, this Dwayne Wade kid is special. And watching his matriculation from that to retirement and then how he has gone through with love and just mature and such intelligent navigation with his children, specifically with yeah. his with both of his children. And the same thing goes for Gabrielle Union. You can't forget her and all this. She and Wade have built a, a fantastic family. And so that's why I said, I think I've said it here. And I think I said it on War Media too. I liked the idea of him coming on as an owner, not just because he was a name, not like the Tom Brady Las Vegas Aces thing, because mm -hmm. he has more knowledge and intelligence about the situation. He not only knows what it means to, recruit free agents, how player personnel should be navigated, cultivated, all that. He has an understanding into the women's game that other people in his situation that have the same pedigree might not have because he has that experience. So not just for the fact that it's a person that Kalia Copper looks up to and can connect with. We saw him all over the place at All-Star Weekend, but he can help and work with players who are not just Kalia Copper. It's a long-term thing. This is good in the short and the medium term, not to dismiss Kyle's career at all, but this is a thing that could work out for him and the sky for 20 years. Completely agree. And I think that Dwayne Wade is one of those people, I think it was Annie who wrote this about Dwayne Wade has a magnetism about him that I think extends beyond just the players. I think it extends to NBA players like DeMar DeRozan talked to the sun times. I believe it was about, yeah, you know what I'm thinking about in potentially looking into investing in a WNBA team. And look, I think people should have been doing it after a while ago. Let's be honest. I mean, that we're talking about over the last three, four years, we've seen the astronomical growth of 
women's basketball in general from a ratings standpoint it's like okay we've seen this movie before if you can like what once we see the numbers go up that's the time in which you should be investing and it slowly but surely is happening and we've seen it a lot over the last few months on the skies front when we talk about Dwayne Wade's magnetism it's not just potentially about keeping Kalia Copper in a Chicago sky uniform for the next three years as well it's about who he could bring in from like maybe more investors come in when you have someone like Dwayne Wade and that's not even just the sky. I mean, that's more in the WNBA as well. I think he can be a connector between the players and ownership too. Like you just said, he's got experience as someone that's now going to be in both seats here with, you know, one with the jazz in the sky and now also as a player with the heat. And again, those other two teams he played for that we won't talk about. Like, I do think that, this is a, a huge move for the Chicago sky, not even just bringing in someone with the basketball knowledge, but also the business acumen that I think players respect as well. And even agents can be able to connect with someone who's not just thinking about player interest. It has to be who can think about both sides where you can have safer conversations knowing like, Hey, I get your perspective a little bit because I've lived through it. And to me, this is a home run move for this guy. This is a home run move. Kudos to both Nadia Rawlinson and Michael Alter. I believe they went out. Well, I forget the the All Star game was in Utah, but I believe for the NBA this past year, and they both started to talk with him about potentially investing in this team, and that's Alter bringing in someone like Nadia Rawlinson, who then can help connect those dots a little bit too, in terms of finding other people. Um, I guess what I'm curious about is what his involvement is going to be, given that he has a lot of things that he has to commit to, obviously. I I don't think he's someone that's just going to be a face of the, like, of the organization. And I actually do think a lot of, when we talk about, from a media perspective, who's going to be the person who's going to be the face of the Sky Ownership Group. I do think it's going to be Nadia Rawlinson still. I think it's important to have a successful mm-hmm. Black woman be the face of your organization. And I mm-hmm. think the Sky believe that as well. But I do I do wonder what Wade's involvement is going to look like. I guess I'm curious because we haven't – actually, you and I haven't talked about this. How much of it – how big of a deal is it for the Sky to bring in Dwayne Wade – when Kalia Copper, again, is a free agent at the end of the season. Um, I know you talked about this being a bigger deal outside of that, but let's talk about that for a second. Do you think that is enough to sway Kalia Copper to come back to the sky, given that the sky do have, I think their lease with at Sachs Recreational Center doesn't end until I think 2024. Um, Is there enough of a promise of a new facility and Dwayne Wade coming in for Kalia Copper to make a decision to come back to the sky, is there any hopes of that still? Or do you think maybe she could be going out the door? I'm curious where your head is at with that. This changes a lot of things. You said it. You said it already. This changes a lot for them. And this is somebody that Ka can relate to. Like, you, like I can't really say more than you already did. Yeah. People ask, it's like, what does this mean for you? It's like, this is big. It's not a done deal. I think the team still needs to find their cohesion and get everybody on that same thread and get to the play. I've always, I've said all year, get to the playoffs and make noise, get to the playoffs and make noise, get to the playoffs and make noise. You absolutely have to do that this year to prove that things are still working, especially now that the initial captain of the ship is gone. 
-hmm. but bringing in Dwayne Wade is a big time move for the team. It shows that they're not just going to sit by and let things happen to them. They are going to be proactive in trying to maintain their franchise by keeping their franchise player. Dana Evans has been on a lot of things this year, and rightly so. But Kalia Copper is the franchise player for the Chicago Sky now. And you cannot move forward without having that player there. And I say the franchise player because she spent the majority of her career here. She has, she has moved from a promising prospect to a star, to a burgeoning superstar with this team. She was finals MVP. She's the last person left from that championship team, not named Dana Evans. This is the person that you have to keep front and center, especially after losing those free agents last year. This is the first step to doing that. So big time move. I'm totally with you. We do have to pivot to what the sky face heading into the second half of the year, because this is a big moment for them as well. Like we just talked about, it's a big moment. I mean, they finished the first half eight and 12. They were three and seven in their last 10 games and heading into the all-star break. They had the ninth worst net rating in the league. They and are 11th in points per game this year. Again, this was before the games that were played today. So the offense has shown flashes of being pretty solid, but again, it's also faltered in the bigger moments. And we've seen this team kind of come apart in the fourth quarter. They've had the all-star break now to kind of reset. What are you looking from them to improve on as they finish out the rest of the year? Again, like 20 games left. You have to, uh, you have to finish in games. You have to finish games better. That fourth quarter play has to be good. I, I cannot remember the exact stat, but there was, um, somebody posted that since Emery took over the team, the sky had been slightly better um, scoring-wise through the first three quarters than the teams that they played, and that includes Atlanta and Connecticut. And then their margin in the fourth quarter was drastically worse. Like they were 30 or 40 points negative in that quarter alone. And a lot of that was on display in that last game before the break against Connecticut where they played a really great second quarter took a took a small lead and played pretty well at the start of the third and then everything just slipped in the second half of the third quarter in the fourth quarter you have to be able to finish better you would like for them to get players back so that you can reorganize your rotation the way that it was envisioned at the start of the season um i was talking to steven garner on the chgo show yesterday and uh, rebecca garner is off the scooter she's still in the aircast boot but she's off the scooter so there's at least some a glimmer of hope there. Izzy Harrison was on the orange carpet at All-Star Weekend without any um, protective equipment on. So again, a glimmer of hope there. Uh, and hopefully you get a lot of Smith has had some time to rest since the, taking that shot to the above the eye uh, at the game. And you could tell that she was a little bit more reticent to shoot from distance in that game against the Sun. So she'll have some time to recover from that. But you have to figure out a way to keep your offense moving in the fourth quarter where it's, you know, teams are going to tighten up their defense, especially in close games. And you have to figure out a way to maximize your ball movement while still going to the hot hand, whomever that may be at that time. I agree, Chris. And just to quickly do some research mid pod here, the sky were in the last four games, the sky were outscored by 28 points in the fourth quarter. So those last four games outscored by 28 points in the fourth quarter, you got to be better than that, especially when you're a team that 
really relies on striking when the iron's hot and they just didn't do that over the last few games. So I'm with you in that sense. I do think another thing the sky need to improve on is just making their goddamn free throws. <laughs> this team <laughs> has struggled with that this entire season. They've been, they've talked about, I mean, this is more with James Wade than it was with Emre, who has really tried to avoid talking about the officiating kudos to him. I actually think that's a pretty healthy mentality when, you're trying to kind of stabilize things or just do things differently when things were going wrong. Right. I think that's kind of a, a nice blessing in all this is that having someone with a different type of coaching style can probably help improve some of these things and heading into the all-star break, the sky were shooting 73.5% on 13.5 attempts per game and losses, which was easily the worst in the WNBA. And it was even worse in wins when they were shooting only 70.3% at the line on 18.5 attempts per game. That's not winning basketball. Like they really do need to figure out what's going on at the charity stripe. That is something that when your offense is struggling in the half court, especially, and the turnovers have really been a problem for this team, especially the three games leading up to the break, you got to be able to, make the most of the opportunities that the opponents give you and you they just can't continue at this rate if they want to be a playoff team it, the the margin for error is so so small at this point and while they are going to be facing four teams in eight games who are right there with them for not being at the top of their game they also I mean they're going to be facing the aces again pretty soon they're going to be facing Dallas again, who has been red hot. And, you know, we'll talk about Dallas in a little bit, but this team just needs to clean up, you know, some of their woes at the free throw line because they can't continue if they're going to make a second half charge. No, you're exactly right, James. Free throw line was such a, like, the sky were never in the times that we've been covering the team. And their time of success over the last uh, seven, six or seven years they weren't getting a lot of opportunities at the free throw line, but they were making the most of it. They were converting when they got those chances. And this year, things have fallen off the table uh, in a very odd way. What I have liked trending-wise over the last couple of games is Elizabeth Williams' resurgence in terms of being able to finish. Um, first at the rim, and then they're getting her some touches um, a little further out in the restricted area towards the free throw line. And she's been able to hit some shots early and then often and then get chances at the free throw line, whether they're for her or whether they get chances for offensive rebounds uh, with the way that she and Alana Smith work on the glass. So that is something that you keep continuing to maximize when you can. I, I loved in her post game at the, at the Connecticut game where she said, I wanted to make sure that I when I had the opportunities to work in the post, against Alyssa Thomas that I did because I've got some size on her. And me thinking of Alyssa Thomas built like the Prudential <laughs> Rock of Gibraltar was like very heartened by this because like she's very not she's she's Elizabeth Williams. She's gonna be frank about everything. She's gonna say it with kind of the very matter of fact way and expression. It's like I had some size on her. I wanted to get some shots up. And she did. She was one of the players who had a good game, I think, from start to finish in that in that game. And you've got to maximize those touches where you can. It's just mainly about getting that 
getting the flow of offense moving. A couple of things that Steven said, using uh, Marina as a screener and using Elizabeth Williams in short roll situations. I think they've started doing the, the latter a lot more with success that is very visible in terms of just generating points. They have been using the fir- the uh, the former and you might not, it hasn't really come to fruition yet in terms of getting offense into that mode of clicking. But I look to see those soon. And hopefully that's something that they can use in the fourth quarter, even in the third quarters, to get themselves to the fourth quarter with success. I completely agree with you. And I think Stephen has a whole Twitter breakdown of Elizabeth Williams and her effectiveness in the short role. On, I, can't, it's, I might have to link it in this episode description if I can find the tweet, but I'm with you. And I think even some of the Sky's success early on in the season, even as they were putting things together, was having Elizabeth Williams, you know, having some secondary facilitating responsibilities. It was just in a different capacity. It was more with her backing someone down in the post and someone flashing into open space in the paint, finishing for an easy lay-in. She has those instincts. I agree with you. And I think we're going to see a lot more of those things kind of come together as the season progresses. As, I mean, they have no choice but to kind of figure this thing out. And even though the draft pick isn't at stake anymore for this team, because again, that's going to Dallas next year, it doesn't matter. You still want to build strong habits, especially if you're an Elizabeth Williams who signed a two year deal. If you're, uh, I don't, I mean, I don't expect Isabel Harrison to be back, but who knows what will happen down the line with the players that are on this roster. And if they're, if the sky are able to bring back some people, you want to build those habits in the second half of the season, especially if Emray is the coach next year. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I think you kind of covered it too, but the sky do need to improve at finishing at the rim as well. They heading into the all-star break, they took the fifth most shots at the rim, but were last in the WNBA at, at rim field goal percentage. And especially if you look at Ka, who, She's shooting around like 50% at the rim, which is like 12% lower than where she was at last season. I think that that's just a really <laughs> like, it's just crazy, Chris, because she's averaging close to, I think she's just averaging a little over 17 points per game right now. And despite that, even when she's shooting 68%, like around 68% on free throws as well, and not shooting all that well or finishing at the rim or whatever, Ka is still averaging close to 17 points per game. Like if she cleans that up, she's a 25 point per game scorer, you know, or even a 23 point per game scorer. And once she figures that out, and I think she will, my God, I think there's a lot that this sky offense can do too. So I'd like to see, I know that I kind of let off with just the team overall finishing at the rim a little bit better because it's just a necessity, especially in this league. My God, I think Kalia Copper, like, I think that's just, it was just a tough 20 game span. Like I do think she's closer to being at the finishing at 63% around the rim. Like she was last year compared to where she's at right now. Like it's something just doesn't quite add up there. So I, that's something it's I would odd. like. To see. Yeah. It's odd. Like there's, it's not just the spacing because I think we've seen her make tough shots with, you know, little room to operate. But I, it seems like some things were trending just eye test wise in the right direction over the last couple of games with, you know, where if the shots were coming off at the rim, they were coming off by bits, like little, little inches rather than being 
shots that we are used to seeing her make or make close that were way off. Like she looked like she was very much bothered by the impending uh, defense or the impending contact. So I think some things have changed in the right direction over the last couple of games, same way that Elizabeth Williams has been finishing better at the rim. Agreed. Like, I do think that it's not necessarily going to be a trend that we see for that much longer when it comes to Ka. It's like some of these are just bunnies that, you know, that just didn't go in for whatever reason. And she's she can be a 20-point-per-game scorer without a doubt in my mind if she's just able to clean up just a, some of these little things. And um, we know what type of finisher, is, a finisher she is. She's a three-time All-Star for a reason. So I would expect that to change any other adjustments for the sky in the second half of the season before we move on defensively really just keeping up what they've been doing and, and finding ways to improve um, in rotations. I I saw a wrinkle that they, that they used that really forced Stephanie white. Stephanie white didn't look uh, extremely comfortable throughout that Connecticut game, except for those uh, that third quarter. And even uh, the beginning of the fourth, the sky were down 18 and they brought the game back to nine and I like to I like being where we were down at that down the press row because you can see the opposing bench and see how their coaches operate. Uh-huh. And she looked disquieted by that run. So one, that was something that Emory had been talking to uh talking about in terms of punching back at the end of games. The game was it seemed very much out of hand, but they didn't lie down and the lead never increased from its from its low point. They brought it back somewhat. And I thought that that was good. Dana Evans hit some shots. The offense was still working. And, you know, you bring in the second unit. If there's something from Connecticut that you could look towards, their second unit was kind of thin without Bree Jones. You have to bring Leah Brown off the bench. And Natisha Heideman still, I she didn't play a lot in that game. And maybe it was still because she's getting over a shoulder injury. But they forced adjustments early and that they had to stick with. Beck Allen did not play a lot in that game, and they had to bring Dijon Carrington off the bench to work a lot. And if uh, Tip Hayes hadn't come back in the game, maybe things are different. After uh, she she had a, a knee injury that looked like she might be out, and then she got back on the bike and they were healing, which good for her, good for them. But defensively, being able to make those adjustments more quickly, um, being able to prevent Connecticut from attacking off the pick and roll so easily like they did, and then using switches, um, disguising coverages a little even better. That's what I, I think they can improve on. And that's coming from a coach that we've been talking about for the last month in Tanya Harris that has had a lot of good outings defensively. And I think that there's still a ways for them to go up from where they are now. Yeah, I'm with you. I do think that this season is not completely lost. You know, I do think there's some, a lot of panic right now. I, I get it, but there's some signs of things going up upwards as well, that it's just something to let's monitor that because I think this is a really intriguing team, especially from what we've seen Emory be able to put together on the offensive end and some concepts kind of coming together that we didn't see earlier on this season. I'm, I'm intrigued, Chris, I'm intrigued, but Let's put our attention to the rest of the WNBA right now. Let's just do a quick lightning round here, man. I know that we 
have had our offline conversations about where the rest of the team is, where the rest of the league is at. But let's do some, uh, you know, whose stock you're buying, whose stock you're trying to get rid of right now. If you were (laughs) a WNBA investor for just the teams at large right now, just for the success of each one right now, whose stock are you buying? I'm buying stock is, is, is Las Vegas stock even publicly traded? Like, is that fair? <laughs> That's not really fair, right? Oh, man. I, I don't think that stock is available at this point. <laughs> it's really expensive <laughs> if it is. So I would say that that one's probably out of reach for two of us people that uh, don't have that money right now. <laughs> okay. So let's say that that is just a, a foregone conclusion. I'm buying stock in Connecticut. I'm buying stock in Atlanta. And I'm buying stock in Dallas. Yeah, uh, those are the I mean, it's easy. Those are the three teams in the top five. But Dallas, I've been saying for years, has been overlooked. Um, I was wondering how things would go with Latricia Trammell b- based on how they looked under Vicky Johnson. And they've looked great. They've had to navigate some injuries. But the main thing is that Satu Sabali is healthy and she is a bona fide star. She's a ball player out here. And Steven was able to talk to Arike at, at All-Star Weekend, and he asked, like, is this something new from uh, Satu? She's like, no, this is what she always could do. She's just healthy now. Yeah. And th- that's what we all figured. That's what we all wanted with her coming out of Oregon. And so now we're able to see it. It's no coincidence that the two losses that Las Vegas has uh, taken this year have been, to, uh, have been to Connecticut and been to Dallas. And I think splitting up Arike and Marina has – we haven't seen it necessarily come to fruition for Chicago, but I think it's been, it's worked out well enough for Dallas. Um, and we've seen Victoria Burton have a larger role, which is been waiting for it. It's been good. I'm buying stock in Dallas. I think that they're not just a fringe playoff team. They're somebody who could get in and ruin somebody's day. Connecticut. I, I I've got to say that I was wrong. I was wrong in preseason. They're not a three-quarter team. They have weathered the loss of Bree Jones with a plum, and they're still a top three team, probably top two because I'm because of the team that I'm selling my stock on. Uh, I think that Connecticut could really make some some lives hell. D D Bonner is shooting threes oh. and making them with regularity. Tip Hayes plays with aggression. She. She, she reminds me of a young me in terms of like just being all arms and legs and elbows that you don't want to be in front of. Mm-hmm. I never had that quick of a first step. I've never had that quick of a first step. She's here and gone. And that team is, it works well. You have a good coaching staff. Rian January is keeping people involved and you know that she's going to be a person who you can go to about point of attack defense for both the veterans and the young players. Connecticut could be in the finals and Atlanta it's they're still finding their stride but you're seeing that talent just blossom Ryan Howard you know B Terrell was maybe a few games early but she's an MVP <laughs> quality player she's an MVP caliber player there's no denying it there's absolutely no denying it Cheyenne Parker um is what we all saw on the sky just it's now come to just I, this is the best version of Cheyenne Parker we've seen. She's a double double machine, and she's getting her outside shot going even more. Uh, I think it's just kind of organizing where everybody fits in their rotation. That's that's it. So those are the three teams that I'm buying on. So 
I was so hesitant to put Atlanta, despite they're on a seven-game winning streak. It's like, of course, we should be talking about wanting to buy Atlanta stock. And I guess this is this prompt of buying stock is always like it's so vague that there's a lot of things that would go into it. I would buy this the 2024 Atlanta Dream stock. I would I would love to buy all of that that I can. I said before the season, I think this team is a year away from being a contender contender, you know, not someone that can push you in a playoff series. They have the talent for that. They have a three-headed monster. And I know this is probably going to be kind of a hotter take. It shouldn't be. Um, If you've watched Atlanta this season, I've been really intrigued by them. Ryan Howard's been their third best player this year. I mean, Alicia Gray has been the best player on that team. And then Cheyenne Parker has been a two-way monster. And then Ryan is also, I mean, she does so many things too that I think that her, she is the, she has the most talent out of anyone on the team, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's my God. I mean, I, I, I'm the mystics. I'm, I love what I have in Shakira Austin. I just, I said it even before that draft, it's like, you can't pass on Ryan Howard. She's just so freaking good. And her ceiling is so high, but I can't wait for her to put all of it together next year, potentially, or the year after that, because I think it's all there. And I just have more questions about what the bench is looking like right now. I really don't think that this team is going to be one that's able to like push the aces. But when I look at what the cap space they're going to have next year, potentially um, they have a lot of one-year deals for this team and a lot of young talent too, that they don't necessarily have to commit to for Mm -hmm. the 2024 season. Give me all the Atlanta dream stock that you have for 2024. Like I think they are, one move away and that's honestly i didn't say i made a note of it for our last podcast but i didn't say it uh because it just didn't organically come up in our conversation that would be the team that i would be worried about for Kalia copper going to like a team that's like they're already kind of small but you have your give yourself some like lineup versatility and what you could do and like, i don't know how teams would score on that group quite honestly if you were if they weren't able to take i think nia coffee's making what 140k let's just say like this season if you were obviously they value her a lot and i'm not trying i think nia coffee is a fine player she's making 130k monique billings making 145 daniel robinson making 155 atlanta is going to have cap space next Mm -hmm. season to play around with and i am curious how like that could be a potential destination for Ka, given that it's like, I think like an hour closer in terms of a flight back to the East coast and everything. Like it's a Delta hub. You like, you could reasonably just take Delta first class back and forth from Atlanta (laughs) to Philly. I mean, I don't think it's crazy to be like, Malia Copper would look great in, in Atlanta for a variety of reasons. But in terms of this season, I just I'm skeptical that the Atlanta Dream are going to be a contender to make it to the WNBA Finals this year. Even though I've loved what I've seen from them, I think they're a really fun team. And what Alicia Gray is doing is something that needs to be shouted from from the rooftop. She's been awesome this year. From just the way that she's been, like they've opened her up. Like I, I love Alicia Gray. Um, I guess I'll go quickly with this too because we just did a lot on Atlanta, but. I thought Dallas, I, I didn't expect them to be this team this year. I real I thought when, if you're losing Marina Mabry and Alicia Gray, both like one is an all-star, one's a fringe all-star. 
I just don't, I really didn't see how they were going to improve from that. And, you know, Natasha Howard has battled injuries in New York over the last couple seasons. And I wasn't sure she was going to be able to bounce back. What Dallas has been able to do this year, like the standings do not tell the full story of what Dallas has been able to do this year. I mean, they were without Tierra McCowan for a while. And now that they have their three-headed monster back with Satu being an MVP caliber player at for most of this season, Arike kind of putting it together as a facilitator. There's still there's probably like still like five or six shots a game. You'd be like, you know, I know that you're a superhero when it comes to making these shots, and you have you know, she's takes so many complicated shots from like, you, you know what? That's not the one that you need in this possession right now. Like <laughs> she has, I think she's averaging her most assists per game at any point that she's had in her career. I think it's over one more assist that she's had per game this year than she's had in previous years. Like that's coming together and they're starting lineup together. This isn't her 100 possessions, but in 285 possessions on the floor this year with their, Group of Arike, Crystal Dangerfield, Tierra McCowan, Satu, and Natasha Howard. They have a 15.2 net rating, which when you get to the playoffs, man, I just having a game plan around Satu, Natasha, and Tierra would give me headaches as a coach. I don't think that I think they're that's a really tough lineup to game plan for. And it would not surprise me if they are the team that heads to the WNBA finals against the Las Vegas Aces, who until someone gets injured or we see for some reason, Kelsey Plum, Chelsea Gray and Asia Wilson just fall back down to earth (laughs) and Jackie Young too. They all fell back down to earth for some reason. I just don't see a, a team beating them in a five game series. I'm all in on Dallas. I am all in on Dallas for the rest of the way. And I think there's seven and three, including today after beating New York. This team is for real. And I'm so excited to see what it looks like the rest of the way and see them in the playoffs because they're ready for it. I didn't know that we could buy futures. Uh, You didn't state that (laughs) at the beginning of this exercise. So I was thinking of just buying regular stock and shares. Uh, So no, yeah, but I still, I'm still buying Atlanta stock. I'm definitely still buying Atlanta stock. I get it. Are we going to the selling yet? Because I'm, we'll do, I know yeah. which team I'm selling immediately. I'm still selling my New York Liberty stock. See, this uh, is, this see, this has gotten out of control. Let's talk. I'm about still, it. I'm, dude, I'm selling. I'm telling. Let's you. talk about you it. Get, Let's talk. Sell the New York. Can I buy it from you? Can I fucking? Yeah, buy that's it from fine. You? Oh my fine. god! I will, this is my, I will sell this is your engagement I'm, present to me. You give me your New York yeah. Liberty stock. Yeah, tell me, New York, New tell York me why you are selling on the New York Liberty. By the way, I'm not even as high in them as every like like all the New York stands out there. I'm I am just curious why you'd be selling stock right now of the New York Liberty. Go for it. Even if it seems premature, they're still they still haven't figured it out. I know maybe our eyes are a little bit wide because of the way that Las Vegas has played and they won the finals and they added so many ridiculously good key pieces. Sure, I get it. That's fine. But you still are not maximizing your best talent the way that you could, you should, you ought to be. Is this about John Quell Jones not getting enough touches? Yes. But this is also about not maximizing those players that you have on the floor at the same time. Courtney, Sabrina, John Quell, Brianna, and you've got to get Bitnagelani back going. New York is struggling against teams that they should not be struggling against. And that's no disrespect to Indiana. 
Indiana is the team I said at the outset of the season was like, yo, enjoy the wins because there's going to be good wins rather than enjoy the wins because they're going to be few and far between. And Indiana pushing that New York team to overtime, fantastic. A feather in their cap. I know that they would love to have the W, but they didn't quite get it. But that New York squad, they are, even for New Yorkers, they have to be eminently frustrating. And remember, the Liberty have been, they are a founding member of this league. They have never won the title. This should be their year where it's title or bust and anything else should have the ghost of Mike and the mad dog screaming <laughs> on the radio. You have to win the title. And I know that that is hard sell. That's a hard fucking sell with Las Vegas playing the way they are, but you should have been playing ball months ago. Not maybe in the future. Okay. I think New York and I think we, as media members, and I put myself in this, did not do a good enough job of trying to differentiating between the super teams. Because I do think that there was still a tier within the super teams. Vegas had the continuity and brought in one of the best connectors in basketball history when Candace Parker replaced Kia Stokes. And outside of that, they added Alicia Gray. They guaranteed Kayla George's contract fine. It's like these little tiny pieces. But the foundation was still there from not just the championship from the year before, but all those other playoff teams that they had from 2019 and onward. We as media did not do a good job of differentiating between the continuity that Vegas had versus the upheaval of the roster that the New York Liberty had. And had a like this is a fresh team essentially. You have Sab, you know, she's been freed in this offense, obviously, but and you have Benajelani, um, Han. You go down the line, like you, there was some, you know, faces that were there last year, but not the ones that like what Vegas had. And continuity, as we talked about a gazillion times on this show, is the number one thing that you need to reach your ceiling as a basketball team in the WNBA. With all of that being said, the New York Liberty are 14 and four. They, and again, they, it has not, they have not played like their best selves by any means. Ooh. All right. They have not. Sorry. 14 and five, 14, 14 and, five, and 14, five now, excuse me. Their starting group in four in 219 minutes, 435 possessions. That is Sabrina Inescu, Courtney, Bri- uh, Brianna Stewart, John Quill Jones, and who am I missing on that list? Um, but Nigel Laney, their starting group has a 14.5 positive net rating in 219 minutes. I'm not saying you should buy the stock. I'm just saying you shouldn't sell it to be to sell it right now. I man, it's, it's not Apple. They're not Apple. They're not. They're not <laughs> Amazon and O2. Yeah, this you- is. I could live with this. The reason I'm selling is because I could live with this. If they had shown me flashes, if they had had players out from injury, and I know that they have had to deal with a lot of weird, weird shit with Hanshu especially. But I don't, from what was expected, I would, I'm, I am upset. I'm legitimately upset. They are still 14 and four. Like the people, but people talk about 14, 14 and five, 14, 14 and five. They just lost by 10. <laughs> Look, man, in a playoff series, 
if I have Brianna Stewart versus anyone, I'm going to feel pretty confident. And I do think that things can change come playoff time a little bit, but they could very well be the, the 2022 Chicago sky where they're going to have their moments where like if things stall a little bit and the physicality overwhelms them, which it has this season with New York, like there've been times when New York has not wanted that smoke. All right. Like, and they get, especially, I think I've watched like eight or nine Liberty games at this point. Like, when I see that, I'm like, oh, okay, this is like, I feel like you should almost not be like intimidated when you're a quote unquote super team, but just getting bullied at times. It's just like, okay, I don't know what's going on here. Like if you're going to, the things are going to click, they need to click in the situations when, when you look around and you know, like, hey, we need to turn things on right now. That said, I'm still not selling on the idea that the New York Liberty are in this year's finals. I there are definitely reasons to be concerned. There are. I, mean, I know this is going to sound crazy, but I'm going to say it anyway. I think some of the Sabrina hate has kind of transferred over to this team a little bit. And the fact that they're not dominating teams in the same way that the aces are, who, again, I think are going to go, potentially go down as one of the greatest WNBA teams ever formed. If they end up winning the championship, that is obviously the caveat with all this. <laughs> I think, but I do think there's this component where there is some Sabrina hate that is being transferred over to the Liberty and wanting to see, you know, I think that it's complex the way that we talk about the Liberty. So all I'm going to say, I love how this is going to be a lightning round. Um, <laughs> all I'm going to say, I don't think that the Liberty are as bad as some people are making them out to be on social media. I'm just putting it out there. And I could agree with that, but they lost at home to the to the Wings today by 10 and got outscored by 13 in the third quarter. And speaking of bullying, Tierra McCowan had 15 and 12 on them. Yeah. You can't you can't have that happen. You can't. Whether you're built as a perimeter-oriented team or not, you cannot have that happen. It should not happen. So you Great. can have all the Liberty stock of mine that you want. You got it. I'll sell it to you for a discount. I'll take it, man. I'll take your Liberty stock if you're selling it at a discount because uh, I think that the team can turn it around. I do think they can turn it around. And even Sandy Brondello, I even forgot to say, also said that this team isn't a super team. They're not playing like it right now. So again, I get it, man. I get where you're coming from. I'm just not giving up on what the Liberty could look like in September. But the other team that I had in terms of selling, let's, let's make this the last one. Um, the Washington Mystics, man, there are teams that have it and then there are teams that don't. And you got to have to feel it out towards as the season goes along. They've just taken a lot of L's. And I'm not talking in the standings, but just when you're getting destroyed, mauled by the injury bug, the way this team has over the last three, four weeks. With Elena Deladon being out for an extended period, Shakira Austin and Ariel Atkins, both the same. I mean, Ariel's going to be back in two weeks, I believe it is, maybe less than two weeks now. That's really tough to overcome. And they just lost to the Fever, obviously, who he almost dropped that. I think they were up by like 10 points in the, in the last 45 seconds of the game. And they almost, Washington almost came back. I just don't like the mojo around the team right now. And Ariel Atkins, while she's picked it up a little bit from beyond the arc as of late, has also kind of struggled this year from a scoring production standpoint. She's taken a step back when, you know, if Washington was going to be a contender, and I really thought that they were going to be, that 
they needed her to be the Ariel Atkins that we've seen over the last few years. And she hasn't quite played up to that from an offensive standpoint. So as much as high as I was on them heading into the year, especially defensively, I was very excited to see where this team was going to go and just see if Elena could just put together one more MVP season. I'm selling my Washington mystic stock. I don't feel great about where this team is right now. And I don't really see what else they're going to be able to do to turn things around necessarily. Um, they've got a lot of great talent. I don't, I mean, I think Eric has done a fine job, but still at the same time, like I just think this team has just kind of underperformed in the way that we, they, they've just kind of, they need, they needed to play at the level if they were even last season towards the end, especially where, they could hang with some of these, t- like these other teams. And it just feels like they're not being able to hang around and beat the teams that they need to beat, like the Indiana fever in order to make a deep playoff run. I just don't see it happening this year. Do you think that Shakira Austin's hip injury is going to limit her when she comes back? It certainly doesn't help. And honestly, you have Tiana Hawkins who has played great this year too. Like she's been, uh, I don't know like a resurgence is the right word necessarily, but Tiana Hawkins has been, that's a good player to have in your back pocket when you lose someone like Shakira Austin. But yeah, I don't know, man. Um, It wouldn't surprise me. I mean, I think athletes try to rush themselves back from injury as quick as they can, especially when you have a young stud in Shakira Austin, you want to get her back on the floor as quick as possible. She's going to be pushing for it. It wouldn't surprise me if she's going to be playing through some pain and if that limits her at all, but it just doesn't seem like they're a year. Like some teams, like you kind of just feel out where they're at. And it just seems like they're this team that just doesn't have it. They just don't have it. I see you're smirking. I, Hey man, I'll take the L. My preseason. See, like you said, you gave me all this smoke about New York and it's like, they've lost, they've lost their key piece who was back and playing healthy in terms of for, for Washington. When you lose Elena Della Dunn for extended time, of course, you're not going to look like the same team. Now, granted, Everything else that you said is true, but I would have, I would have the same amount of faith in Washington as I do in New York. I'll say that. Well, one of those teams is significantly more talented than the other one. The other team, again, when you look at Washington, their continuity is more put together than what New York had last year. I mean, Tiana Hawkins was even on the 2019 championship team. I don't think Liberty really have that, player that's been around a while where or like honestly against the liberty also haven't won a championship like you said there's not that championship fabric that the mystics have that the liberty or like yeah that the mystics have that the liberty have i mean they it's clear that the the liberty are still trying to figure out who they are as a team where i think the mystics do know who they are as a team it's just they've been devastated by injuries and have not been able to live up to some of the offensive production that I think was kind of tantalizing heading into the year, even though offense was probably more of the question for that team than on the, than it was on the defensive side. So I don't view New York and Washington. I think they're the Washington has taken a step down in my tears and I have much more confidence in New York than I do with the mystics at this point. <laughs> As you said, one of those teams is more talented than the other, and I was going to say Washington just to be that guy. <laughs> um, I, I think of it like this, especially when you said that 
there's times where it looks like New York has backed off of teams that came at them. Yeah. You, you, you seen that scene. You ever remember that scene from Rocky two where Apollo is talking to his people in his office about having to fight Rocky again. Like he really wants to fight Rocky again. And everybody's like, well, you know, we could do the fight here. We could do the fight here. And his main guy, the guy that's been with him for years is looking and is like, you haven't said anything. Why not? He's like, you want me to be, you want me to be up front with you? He's like, yeah, you always have. He's like, shouldn't take the fight. And of course, Apollo's pride is hurt. He's like, I'm the world champion. I beat him. It's like, yeah, it's like you beat, you won, but you didn't beat him. It's like, mm. you had it. You took it to him. You had the man down, but the man kept coming at you. We don't need a man like that in our life. Who are the teams that you can reasonably say that about this year in the WNBA? I think Las Vegas is one of them. I think Indiana is one of them. I think Atlanta is one of them. And given the personnel that they have when they're right, Natasha Cloud, uh, Ariel Atkins, even um, Brittany Sykes, I think Washington is one of those teams for sure. No matter what the, the situation is with the personnel that they have on the bench and behind the bench, Washington will keep coming after you. Even, even Los Angeles is down right now, but they're a team that might, you might beat them, but they're going to, they're not for lack of trying. You're going to have to get over and around them. They're going to stretch and claw at you. New York has such an assembly of talent, but they haven't put it together in a way where players aren't going to check out if things don't go their way in the first or second half or in a specific stretch over a quarter. So I think a lot of this, as much as I have liked Sandy, a lot of this is on Sandy and the coaching staff for not getting this right by now. That's interesting. I don't necessarily think I would push back on that, but when it is a fresher team and you are very limited about how much practice time that you get in like before the season and even in the middle of the season, I don't think people realize how little that these teams practice. Like, I think it's harder to push down the coaching. I, it's like, it's almost like with the sky in 2021 to 2023 or 2021 to 2022, where this team didn't play its best basketball until the second year that the core of it was together. But I get what you're saying, man. I, I do get what you're saying. I think in terms of me selling my Washington Mystic stock, it's more about I don't think this team's a contender, like to win a championship or like to go face Vegas, like to go through a couple playoff rounds and then face Vegas in the finals. Where I really thought that that was a team, just I think they were kind of funky in the way that teams would have to game plan around them. The way that's why I like Dallas a lot right now. By the way, the only team to beat both the Aces and the Liberty this season that is the Dallas Wings. That's why I like them a little bit. Like I like them a lot now that they're a funkier matchup. And now I just see the mystics as a middle, like a middling team, like five, six, seven range that can still beat a top tier team in a regular season matchup or wipe out some of these other teams at the bottom. But I'm just not confident that they're the team that I thought they were in the preseason. And that's why I'm selling my stock from as someone that had a lot of it and really thought that team was going to be successful depending on how things played out. Obviously, I mean, injuries wise with Elena Deladon, you just never know what you're getting season to season, game to game. But I think that's why that's where I come from more from that standpoint. Um, 
and I, st- I can't wait for I I can't wait for us to uh, clip me talking about like or freaking out about you saying that you're selling your New York Liberty stock and they just plummet. But um, I can't wait. I can't yeah. wait. We got this is be the end of the season show. We're just gonna do a clip show, which I've always wanted to do because that means that you're syndicated and you're on top. And I'm gonna be crowing <laughs> because I, I'm gonna be crowing because I'll be like, yeah yeah oh my god Hell yeah i was right <laughs> james james k is not a not a uh investment professional no which honestly is good you have not gone the way of investment brokering or insurance sales you once should... you get to insurance sales it's over with you should see my bank account trust me i'm i am not <laughs> investors bond by any means but um chris we of course went long because it's us any final thoughts before we wrap up the show? Um, yeah, what's I'm curious. I, I'm we kind of went over All Star already, but yeah, is there anything you want to add? Jewel Lloyd, man, I know you mentioned Jewel Lloyd, uh, but Jewel Lloyd and Melissa Thomas probably aren't going to get the all the MVP recognition that they rightly deserve this year. Um, I really, if if Connecticut, I think takes it all over that second spot and holds it all the way through, then Alyssa Thomas should be the MVP because she is verify verifiably as good as the players are on that team, Tip and Dijanae and Dewana Bonner. And as good as the coaching staff is, she makes everything go. And with Bree Jones out, if Connecticut maintains in that second spot, Alyssa Thomas should be MVP. Jewel Lloyd should get MVP votes just for what she has done with um, everything having to go against her, her being the main offensive weapon and probably the defensive catalyst on that Seattle team as well, even though Wednesday Adams is coming back from France and I'm so excited about it. Jewel Lloyd should get MVP votes for sure. That was fucking amazing. Um, And also got a shout out as he McGore too from on the defensive side, but I get where you're coming from there too, especially if Connecticut does surpass the Liberty too. It's going to be really hard not to vote for Alyssa Thomas. And I think in terms of if we're talking MVP, MVP votes, Nafisa Collier has been balling out this year. I think that she's probably going to get top five votes for sure. Even though the Lynx, I mean, that's another team whose team, who I don't feel great about right now. Uh, They've really struggled over the last three games, but yeah, well, you know, I'm, I am curious about to see like how this MVP conversation goes down. I think it should be Asia Wilson. <laughs> At this point, I do think it should be Asia Wilson, but we'll see what happens as we move towards the second half of the WNBA season. This has been the Skyhook Podcast with the Joker, James K, and Chris Pennant, um, the Ed Co- the abbot of this Costello group. Uh, we would love to see you next time. As always, hit us up on the skyhookmailbag.com. That's at gmail.com, the skyhookmailbag at gmail.com. And we are on Twitter at the Skyhook Pod. He is James underscore M underscore K. Do not get in his DMs. He's engaged now. So there ain't even there ain't even shit you can say. <laughs> There's not even shit you can say. Maggie put that shit on lock. Um <laughs> I'm just too broke to go out of date. So don't hit my DMs either. But you can hit me at Quandary Kitten. That's K-W-A-N-D-A-R-Y Kitten. We'll see you next time, folks.